Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 72, released on December 22nd, a week early than, earlier than usual because of the holiday season. Uh, my name is Steve Eunice, and joining me for the final time as a regular co-host, Neil Bailey. Hey, Steve. How you going? How, how do you feel about your final Radio KAL podcast? Melancholy and sad, to be honest. I really, <laughs> I really am. Um, it's it's crazy. I I can't believe it. it's been uh, what six years that we've done this. Yeah, well, seventy two. That's uh, that's six times twelve. So uh, yeah, crazy. It's uh, you know we've I think we might have missed one month here or there, but uh, yeah, six years. It's uh, been a long time, and uh, yeah, you're moving on to to bigger and uh, not necessarily better, but <laughs> yeah, better, well, it's bigger, you know better things. I'm not, I'm not leaving the homepage. I'm going to still be around it. We've, we've discussed this, but for the people who are listening, um, I'm, I'm just going to be more in the background, mostly because I've lost a good degree of, of passion for the way that the character's being stewarded. Um, and that doesn't mean that anyone on the site ever did anything wrong or that Steve did anything wrong. We're not, we're, you know, we, we haven't had a fist fight in what, two, three years? No. <laughs> but it's just more that um, I want to make sure I've read so many stories over the years where someone phones it in, and I don't want to be that guy. I want to make sure I've got an active passion when I do something. So yeah. um, I'm still going to be around. You guys are still all my friends, and I'm going to be basically pulling myself back to fan position and who knows i'll pop back in some capacity or another we'll figure it out definitely now we do have uh, a replacement uh, in in waiting in the in the doorstep uh waiting to take over uh, scotty v will be the uh my new co-host uh we will hope to bring him into the show a bit later on uh, but for the time being we've got a few topics to discuss for neil's final podcast and um i'll introduce scotty later on hopefully as i said but uh, let's get into the Smallville talk. Um, we've had a couple of episodes since we uh, last recorded our, our previous podcast. Um, John Glover's back in the Luthor episode. What did you think of that one? <laughs> I, was, I was amused that they kept the formula. When a guest star comes back, they're evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, and it, it's funny, too, because this was a case where he was supposed to be good to a degree because it was kind of the Earth 3 or Earth 2, you know, the reverse Earth where, you know, where basically superman's the bad guy or at least they kind of they called him ultraman they kind of played it that so yeah that was yeah. that was amusing and also they brought luthor back which was kind of unexpected but uh yeah, yeah. well he made the transition into uh into our world or into clark's real world if you like uh via the uh the weird um box thing that uh mirror box which beggars the question why the hell do these Kryptonians create these devices? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they got all kinds of transcendent omniscient powers. I mean, they came to Earth through portals in the past, and yet suddenly all the portals were destroyed when the place was just, was when Krypton blew up. And yeah, it makes you wonder how they didn't all survive. You know, if they were that far advanced, it had to be some. It had to be like an instant explosion that took off the entire planet with no warning. <laughs> Very strange that these mirror boxes even existed, but. Um... Yeah, it was good to see John Glover back. He's, you know, I just realized how much the show missed him uh, when uh, when we when he did return, and uh, yeah. everyone seems to put in their best performance when they're playing opposite him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's he, he kind of pushes them up a, a notch or two or three. Yeah. Especially the fight scenes were really really well done. Yeah, so uh, he will be back for a few more episodes, obviously because of the fact that he's trans 
he's made a transition into uh, Clark's real world. So uh, it'll be interesting. What did you think of Tom Welling's performance as Ultraman, as the as the you know the bad guy? You know, I was honestly uncomfortable a couple of times, which I don't know if that means that he did a really, really good job or if it was just, uh, you know, like the time when he smacked Lois over that table, that made me cringe. It almost seemed like a bit too much to me, but uh, it definitely was a character uh, moment, <laughs> you know, not the uh, a defining moment for, for Ultraman. So I, I, it just, uh, it was, it was, it was a bit much almost. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was interesting to see that they, Really, you know, I mean, a lot of the time in Smallville, we complain that they have a lot of stuff that happens off screen that we, really we as fans have to, you know, try to, you know, fill the gaps in, which is shouldn't be necessary. But they actually did a pretty good job of it in this one, where it was intentional, where the fight scene between, every, you know, the guys who were in the Justice League in the Watchtower was all off screen until Clark returned. And then, you know, it was Lois who said, yeah, it's the real Clark, stop, you know. We didn't really get to see that fight, but it was interesting the way that was played. Yeah, it was very much, uh, it was very tense. Uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, you got to wonder how they lasted that long, but but yeah. for in terms of staging a scene, it was pretty well done. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Luthor was a pretty good episode. It, uh, you know, it kind of derailed the uh, the the ongoing uh, plot, if you like, for the series by having this alternate Earth but uh, it was a great way to bring in John Glover back to the series, and uh, it was an all right episode all up. Um, then we, it was followed by Icarus, uh, which really the first ten minutes, the opening scene was probably the best part of the whole episode with the proposal. Yeah, they they keep going into this vague what is Dark Side thing, and oh, Dark Side is responsible for everything without actually showing the guy, and it's like why bother? But the scene with Hawkman where he flew and where his wings burned was actually very beautiful and one of the best effects scenes that they've had in years. Mm. Um, I thought that was pretty good, but you know, in terms of like what they're trying to do and just you know making Slade, it's like they take a character that they want to use for fan service like Slade or like uh, you know, and then they 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 turn it into a dude with a missing eye that has been improved somehow in ways that are undefined, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the fight was pretty good. Hawkman actually looked and acted like Hawkman. So, you know, you can't complain there. Yeah. Did you, did you think it had the gravity, his death that, it, that, that it was, they were aiming for? No, nah, not, well, not for me, but that's just because it was like when they killed Jimmy Olsen, you know, it's like, you know, there's some trick coming up and sure enough, they didn't even let it build for any substantial period of time. Like five minutes later in the narrative, he's coming back to life in the, in, in the tomb or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Now, uh, what did you make of the proposal? Uh, of the proposal, you know, uh, it just seems so anachronistic that I, I I couldn't be emotionally moved by it. It was very good setup, and it was kind of it, it was about an average romantic scene in terms of like how you write a romantic scene. But uh, honestly, I'm just sitting there like he hasn't even put on glasses yet and become Superman, and that's just a cognitive gap that I can't get over. Maybe a younger viewer or a viewer who wasn't as into Superman as I've been over the years could get over that. But it was just kind of too much for me. It's like. Uh, It'd be like having him die now. It was just the same thing when he died, like, what, three times in the series. It was like, yeah, too early there, guys. Come on, you know, this. you want to write a Superman show, write a Superman show. If you want to write a story about Superman coming to be Superman, you don't put the cart before the horse. So. Sure. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was well played uh, as far as you know the actors were concerned and the story, you know, the the scene and the, the setup and uh, and the performances were all were were pretty good. But uh, I understand where you're coming from in regards to putting the cart before the horse, as you put it. Um, yeah. You know, a proposal before he's become Superman and they're engaged now, and he hasn't even, you know, uh, done the tights yet. It's you're right. They're they're playing out this whole story of Superman, what happens in the Superman world before he's become Superman. So it's uh, it's a thing that we we're, we sound like we're broken records. You know, it's uh, a problem that we've had with the show repeatedly. You and I uh, in our discussions, and you know, it's just their way of doing things, I guess. And like you said, if people aren't into Superman other than through Smallville, then it wouldn't be a problem for them. But uh, for other for Superman fans who, you know, have looked at the mythos for you know in all its incarnations over seventy years, uh, they seem to be rushing a lot of stuff, uh, but pushing the inevitable change into Superman as far away as possible, but bringing in everything else along the way as much as they can. Yeah, it's um, it's really. You know, on the one hand, they're doing their best to do service to the character as it winds down, and I can see that, and it's made it the best season since probably five. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's still coupled with everything in the kitchen sink in order to get people to view, and that's just not good storytelling. Yeah. Okay, now we don't have any new episodes of Smallville until January 28th, 2011, which sounds like a long way away, but it's actually just over a month away. So uh, we'll have repeat episodes up until then, uh, but uh, of season ten episodes. But January twenty eighth, uh, Friday, the, the January twenty eighth is the new episode, next new episode of Smallville. So we'll hang out until then for more episodes of Smallville. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They've done what eleven or yeah, eleven episodes so far, and usually they take a break at eight and then do a ninth episode over the Christmas break and then start in, which makes me think they might be doing more episodes than usual for the final season. I hope, anyway. As far as I know, there's still just the twenty-two, but uh, maybe scheduling with the actors and things. Uh, obviously, Alison Mack has to come back. Um, yeah. So perhaps that's they you know just deciding to uh, spend some extra time filming. Uh, and uh, running a little bit later into 2011 than they would, did say in previous years. Yeah, maybe. Okay, the other TV item that we wanted to discuss was Young Justice. Did you happen to catch the one-hour premiere event that uh, aired on Cartoon Network? No, I didn't. Was it any good? Yeah, it was actually quite good. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Teen Titans or you know uh, the Superboy Robin team-ups with all the other young heroes. Uh, I've never followed them in the comics. I'm um, starting to read the Superboy uh, new comic book title. But, um, yeah, I watched the one-hour event, and it was quite good. It had a lot of uh, drama. It had a lot of, lot of depth to the characters, and it was a great uh, origin-type story for uh, this you know, Teen Titans Young Justice team. Um, they aren't called the Teen Titans. They are teenagers, and they are, you know, the uh, – don't call them sidekicks. They don't want to be called sidekicks, but uh, – <laughs> They are the you know the offshoots of you know the main characters. Robin is obviously from Batman, and uh, Superboy is you know obviously from Superman, and um, so they've got you know uh, all these other characters who are related to the main Justice League characters, but uh, are teaming up on their own and creating their own team because they're sick of waiting in the wings and being treated as sidekicks. And uh, it was quite well played. I really enjoyed uh, the storyline and I enjoyed the uh, the voice acting. I thought it was quite quite good and. Uh, you know, look forward to new episodes in January when they do air. 
was the uh, animation on a par with the animated movies that have been coming out, or how how was the animation? Yeah, the animation was pretty good. Uh, didn't uh, detract at all. You know, some of the cartoons in 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 recent years have you know sometimes taken you out of the story somewhat. But um, no, it was quite good. I, I I enjoyed the the style of the animation, and um, you know it all seemed to to gel quite well. Cool. Yeah, I'll so, have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a one hour premiere event on Cartoon Network. It was called Independence Day, and um, I'm not sure exactly. I don't think they've specified what dates in January the remainder of the season will air, but uh, keep an eye on Cartoon Network's TV schedule in January for further episodes of Young Justice. Okay, moving on to movie talk. Um, Hans Zimmer, we, were, we heard that one, in once, you know, there was, a, there was a report that, yes, he's going to be scoring the new Superman movie, and then uh, he says, look, no, I've been... Misquoted there. I'm not not at all involved. Um, you know, I made a comment on on how on whether it would someone should you know do a new theme and not use uh, John Williams' score, but I never said that I was going to be scoring it. So uh, he was misquoted there and will not be involved with uh, Zack Snyder's new Superman movie. So we still wait and see just who will be scoring uh, the new Superman film, but uh, it won't be Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I don't envy them. As you know, it's like they got two choices: they can play the old theme in a new way, which got the last guy kind of crucified, or they could go completely new, which is going to be one heck of a hill to climb. So, well, which way are you leaning? Do you think that they should go with a new theme, or do you think that they should keep the old theme? You know, honestly, I really liked the soundtrack for Superman Returns, and I keep listening to it even after the movie came out because it's got a lot of. It's kind of melancholy, honestly, but that's that's kind of not necessarily what you want in a Superman movie. I just like it as a musical piece. Um, but I know that I don't really think too much of the Dark Knight soundtrack per sure. se, or the new Batman. That you know that it's not which is very definitive and very Batman to me. Um, so. I don't know. It depends on if they can come up with a really good theme. But if not, better to be derivative than just background, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, while Superman the movie's theme by John Williams is iconic and is one of the best themes out there for any character, any movie, um, if they're going to go with a whole new reboot, you know, I think they need to step away from any previous version and say, hey, this is starting from scratch, this is new, um, you know, we're not um, taking from any other uh, previous version and, and come up with a new theme. You know, it's always going to be hard because it's going to be compared to John Williams' theme and, um, you know, it would be like, um, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel. But um, they really should step away from, you know, the Christopher Reeve movies and, and do their own thing. Um, you know, I would like to hear maybe a similar trumpet kind of thing and maybe they could do like what they do in Smallville where you hear the certain notes but I don't think necessarily yeah. they have to have that same theme as the intro and you know as the you know the love theme and all those kinds of things. Step away from it, do something different. But yeah, you know, have those those you know particular notes in there. You know, as uh, you know, as a as a, an homage, if you like, to the the previous version. 
Yeah, it's kind of weird that the person who has only, the only person I can think of that's done it right over the years in terms of building off of an old soundtrack is John Williams himself when he did the uh, when he did the new Star Wars prequels. That was one of the best parts about those three movies is that he took the old themes, he put them into the soundtrack, and then he came up with some new ones that were really really good. You had Across the Stars and Duel of the Fates and the Immolation scene among others, and and it really sold it. But um, I don't know if there are any composers these days that can kind of do that yeah well you know i mean look what they did with superman the animated series you know that had a strong theme that is still recognizable today so you know there is no reason that they can't come up with a new theme that is still superman you know in in its feel so uh we'll wait and see what they do uh but uh i don't envy them like you said because uh it's very hard to follow up from such a classical theme as superman the movie's theme absolutely Okay, now we were treated to quite a few uh, designs and, and footage of um, <laughs> never made. Treated? Well, treated is yes, probably too, uh, too positive a word. It, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, does costume designs from the never made Superman films, uh, especially the uh, Superman Lives, J.J. Abrams film, um, what, did you, what did you think of those? They especially were. The footage. They were... You know, they were really cool special effects. It just had absolutely nothing to do with Superman. Exactly. <laughs> it, they were really cool. I, I, I really liked seeing the behind the scenes of how they make props, and those guys looked like really good prop masters, but it just it had nothing to do with Superman at all, especially with the little Nick Cage maquette, you know, the horrors of what could have been. <laughs> yeah, it was very odd. I mean, suppose, supposedly the recovery suit that Superman would wear once he'd, you know, died in his battle with Doomsday. And, you know, this was a, a suit that uh, obviously the Kryptonian robots in the Fortress of Solitude had decked him out with to help in his resuscitation after uh, dying. And, uh, yeah, very cool effects and everything. But um, you couldn't see it being more than anything other than what they would show in that scene in the Fortress. I couldn't see him wearing that outside the Fortress of Solitude. It would have to just be... And it would be seems strange to put so much money into something that would be seen only for a very short time. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that we haven't seen any uh, costume footage or photos of um, the real Superman costume. We we seem, I mean, we've seen that stylized S in the you know the um, metal type suit thing, but whether or not that was Superman's real costume, very strange. You just wonder what they were thinking when they were putting this movie together. Yeah, and and it's it's just nuts. The um the, the the pictures of Doomsday, you know, like like I don't know why Hollywood has to do that. Take something and make it look a hundred times different than what it was originally. It's not like Doomsday was a bad design that could have been improved upon by the movie. It was a really cool design, and when you saw it live action in Smallville, that kind of proves the point. Mm. You know, they didn't have much of a budget, but they stuck true to the character when he was actually Doomsday. And it looked awesome. It looked really, really cool. Yeah, strange, but uh, uh, I'm sure we'll get to see more footage uh, over the you know the coming months, years. Who knows how long before uh, all this kind of stuff comes out? But uh, especially leading up to this new Superman movie, um, the interest in previous never made films uh, will obviously be heightened, and uh, it will be interesting to see what else they were putting together for Superman Lives. Um, before it was um, ditched. So uh, Superman Lives movie designs, costume designs, very odd, but, um, yeah, strange, strange stuff to look at. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on, we've got... um, We had a a rumour, 
you could almost put it down as being fact, really, because it came from the guys in the movie industry in Vancouver, in Canada, saying that they'd received word that Superman will be filming in Vancouver, uh, which yeah. doesn't surprise me if that comes to be out, comes out to be true. That'd be cool. I mean, if so, God, count me in for driving up there and uh, getting some <laughs> getting some photos because that'd be awesome. Well, I mean, it's it, there are a lot of movies that have shot in Canada recently. A lot of TV shows, obviously Smallville being one of them, are filmed in Vancouver and, and in Canada. And uh, you know, it would be an obvious choice if uh, it's so close to Hollywood, so close to the west coast of America, and um, seem to be getting some you know tax breaks, whatever, up there, and. You know, uh, it would be, you know, with, it would easily be inside the realms of possibility for uh, the new Superman movie to be filmed up there. Well, I know that um, it's it's been there's just a lot of filming that goes on up there already, and and it's it's one of those places where they've got a lot of different um, a lot of different locales. There's the only thing that's lacking is desert, and even desert is just a little bit to the south in Washington, I guess. But um, there's there's a really good uh, a waterfront. There's a lot of a lot of trees and mountains and the like, and and a good city that looks kind of you know not I wouldn't say generic. I don't want to insult Canadians, but it's like it could it could pass for a lot of big cities, you sure. know. Sure. Yeah, and uh, obviously Australia is out of the picture. Uh, we know that Superman Returns was filmed there in two thousand and five, uh, but now the Australian dollar is actually on par with the American dollar. Where pre in two thousand and five was nearly uh, you know fifty cents, so it was a lot of savings to film in Australia, but uh, that seems to be uh, no longer the case now with the uh, dollars pretty much on parity with each other. So uh, there isn't much uh, m much reason for any American movie to be filming in Australia at the moment, as far as cost savings are concerned. So Vancouver seems to be the place to go. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, bring them there. <laughs> So uh, that's movie discussions. That's pretty much all the rumors we've had at the moment. Uh, we won't see much more, you know, in the next month, I guess, because of the holiday season and, and New Year. And um, you know, su supposedly in that uh, Vancouver rumor, there was they were saying that filming would start in the American summer in 2011. So um, or the Canadian summer, I guess, at the same time. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens uh, in the next six months, whether or not that proves to be true. Yeah. Okay, comic books. Uh, I don't know if you're still reading any comic books at the moment. I know you're pretty much uh, giving away the regular Superman titles. But, I, uh, I dropped uh, I dropped Superman. I'm keeping action, actually. I, I dropped Superman for the first time in 20 years. But I, I, Cor Cornell hasn't really you know done anything terrible yet. It's just... Um, I'm I'm basically I'm I'm waffling. I'm I, I'm down to like three comics a month right now. <laughs> well, Chris Robertson has the unenviable task of taking over from J. Michael Szynski, who, uh, like yourself, dropped the Superman title. Um, yeah. And uh, is concentrating on doing a sequel to Superman Earth One, but um, Chris Robertson is uh, pretty much just looking at JMS's notes for the comics that uh, you know for the grounded storyline. And um, following those notes, but uh, writing his own thing. And I've got to tell you, um, G. Willow Wilson has come in and done a few, you know, uh, issues of uh, sidetrack stuff that's happening ancillary to the Grounder storyline. And that seems to be more enjoyable than what Chris uh, <laughs> or what JMS has served up so far. I can't really say much about Chris Robertson because we haven't seen an issue that he's written solely on his own as yet. 
Yeah. Well, the Lois story was pretty darn good. I think it had some elements that made you think or made you that you may have questioned, but it's uh, it, it made you think about the issues surrounding them. And that alone made it a, a more thought provoking story than, say, like being so on the nose with illegal aliens you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't. I just I, I'm not I want to give the man a chance. But at the same time, I I can't really i don't know the only reason i'm sticking with cornell now is because i've admired his run so far and i want to give him a shot to finish it but i'm probably going to drop after that so yeah well uh what did you make of lex lose of the connection that uh that paul cornell has written into action comics and in, in, specifically into the action comics annual that we just recently saw with uh, Luthor's connection to both Darkseid and uh, and uh, Raish, is it Raish Al Ghul? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Raish Raj. You know, I, I think there's no right pronunciation for it. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I read half of that issue and then gave up. Um, I read the Dark Side portion, which I enjoyed actually, and then I started getting into the Raj Al Ghul, and I couldn't, it couldn't keep my attention, and I didn't fight it uh, because I'm at a point right now where I'm trying to say. You know what? Be honest about it. Don't just read it because you have to read it. Um, read it because you're enjoying it. Read it like a fan would read it. And I read the dark, the dark side thing, and I found it amusing, if a bit odd and improbable. <laughs> um, and the, the the Raj Al Ghul stuff, I just I was, it, it was kind of far fetched for me. The idea that that Luthor was interacting with Raj at that young of an age, but um, I did like. The idea of Luthor being so um, so so cool that he could basically turn Darkseid's own game against him, um, but it just kind of focused my brain on what they did with Darkseid so recently and how they took him out of commission and the toys are broken and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I found it interesting that they tr- really that Lex Luthor's early days was so connected to supervillains. You know, like you, you you consider him to be really grounded in to use that term that probably everyone's away from the <laughs> but um, to be really you know looking at you know everything that's pretty much on the street in Metropolis on Earth rather than all this interplanetary stuff and um, you know which when Superman does come along kind of shakes his world because he's this man who is so far above everything that he's you know come to understand as far as controlling things that um, when Superman does come along, it kind of takes him aback. But now with this backstory that they've filled in, you know, he he was, you know, working for Darkseid for months. He was, you know, uh, trained by Ra's al Ghul. Uh, so it seems really weird that, um, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't really fit in with the Lex Luthor that I understood. Yeah, I picture a guy who's basically the evil version of batman to a degree he's very brilliant he didn't have anyone to help him he went through some bad stuff growing up and it and it twisted and turned him into something it's not it's like um it's it was almost smallville like in the sense that oh hey here's aquaman even though you're not superman yet and yeah they had this adventure but then he disappeared until you became superman again and then he was around all the time you know yeah yeah and stories like that eh. yeah so um have you read any of the new Superboy series? I was mentioning that I've started picking up a few, the first two issues so far. You know, like, I, I, I gave it the fan treatment. I picked up the first issue. I looked through it. I couldn't find anything that really interested me, so I set it aside. I was interested in that spherical thing that looked like Brainiac to a degree, and I thought, oh, hey, are they bringing Brainiac back here because they really dropped the ball on Brainiac? Um, and then I 
looked at the second issue and I saw a lot of TNA trying to sell the book and I saw um, that Sphere basically turned into some other one-note villain and so I put them both back on the shelf, unfortunately. Fair enough. Uh, I, what I, what impressed me about the new Superboy series was that they're kind of fleshing out a, um, uh, you know, a character base for him. He's got, you know... Um, other characters, you know, with his friend and with Crypto being in there and, um, you know, they seem to be filling in some, um, you know, extra... What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? His support characters. Yeah. Um, which was kind of something that I really liked about the old Supergirl series, um, you know, back when, you know, it was... Uh, she was a, a, an Earthbound angel. She had a lot of support characters in that, in that book and... Uh, it's kind of a similar feel to this uh, new Superboy series. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I think if they can accomplish that, that, I will keep looking at it. And if they start getting it a little bit more uh, on, you know, like if they get a, a more interesting A pot, plot, A pot, A plot, B plot <laughs> to go with the uh, supporting characters, I'll probably jump on. Yeah. So uh, if you're interested in Connor Kent, uh, check out the new Superboy series. It's on its second issue as we speak. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, enjoying it you know i was giving it a uh, few issues to see where it would go because you know i'm not necessarily looking to buy new uh new titles but um superboy caught my eye and uh so far so good so we'll see uh, just where that c- continues to go uh but that's pretty much our discussion topics uh i did want to touch on our 2010 shield awards uh which uh were the votes came in and the results were in and uh you know there was a few uh interesting Results from that, nothing that stood out as far as, you know, was um, really uh, surprised me. But um, obviously Jeff Johns, you know, was well ahead of anybody else as far as being the favorite writer, the best comic book writer. Um, Surprisingly, J. Michael Straczynski came in as a second, but we're talking about 48% for Jeff Johns as opposed to 11% for JMS. So uh, big (laughs) gap, big gap there. and how much did Jeff Johns do this year? I mean, really, it was only the end of Secret Origin. <laughs> so wow, yeah, um, maybe just people see his name and go, oh, "Okay, Jeff Johns." Um, I don't know. It's it's it kind of gives, gets back to that th- whole thing that I've kind of disappointed with, where the writers and the artists are getting bigger than the actual character as far as popularity is concerned, and uh, people follow the writer and his name rather than, uh, you know, his actual work. So, uh, you know, yeah. rather than the character he's writing. So anyway, but um, Jerry Ordway, it was good to see his name coming in as the best comic book artist. Um, he just beat out Pete Woods. Uh, who? What else was in there? The best regular Superman title, again, funnily enough, was Superman. Now, we've got to remember that for the majority of 2010, this was, uh, you know, the... Not the JMS book. Uh, it was, you know, the tying in with the new Krypton and the the War of the Superman. So um, that's not surprising that Superman uh, was the most popular regular Superman title. Uh, Supergirl was uh, the uh, most popular Superman family book, uh, beating out Adventure Comics and Justice League of America. Um, and again, Jeff Johns uh, came to the top of the top of the uh, pile with uh, Superman Secret Origin being the best one-shot or limited series uh, comic books, uh, comic book series, uh, beating out Earth One by 2%, 42% to 40%. So that was uh, interesting there. 
Uh, the only other thing of interest was uh, looking down at the Smallville section of our Shield Awards. Uh, we the best, obviously, best episode was the two-part Absolute Justice, uh, getting fifty-one percent of the vote ahead of Salvation, uh, the mm. series finale. Sorry, se- season finale for season nine. Uh, so no surprise there. Again, that's Jeff Johns writing that. So uh, he seems to be a, a popular choice. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like anything he writes is 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 gold, and that's that's fine. You know, we need a whole stable of writers like that. Yeah. When did Secret Origins start coming out? Did, like, we only got like four issues this year, didn't we? Well, Secret Origins or was, it was three. No, it was, it was a two thousand and nine started. Uh, it was in the voting for the Shield Awards in two thousand and nine, but I think we got two or three issues in the conclusion because like issue number five took something like three or four months to actually come out between it and the and and issue number four. So uh, I think right. it was four, five, and six were maybe in twenty ten. Um, right, but uh, it, there was a long time between the last couple of issues. Huh. But, That's uh, nuts. The a new category that we created in the uh, twenty ten. Shield Awards was Best Smallville Guest Character because we used to have, and we still do have, the Best Smallville Character, uh, which obviously Clark Kent won pretty much every year. <laughs> but, uh, so we went for the Best Guest Character, and uh, Hawkman, Carter Hall, was uh, the pop- most popular choice, uh, beating out uh, Martha Kent. So uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah, he was a pretty good guest star, you know. I'm and I'm also surprised that that for instance, um, well, Lois hasn't won in the last couple of years. It's, that's one of the strange things because as much as I have my contentions with the show, Lois has really been knocking it out. But it, Hawkman was a very good guest. Yeah, well, Lois being came obviously was a very close, or not necessarily very close, but was a close second for best uh, regular character for Smallville, uh, just behind Clark Kent. So. Uh, yeah, Clark obviously being the the uh, lead actor for the lead character for the show is going to be hard to beat out for right. that category. Uh, before we finish off our chat, uh, I wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. December twenty second yes. is uh, how old are you now? Thirty one. Oh. oh, old man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, He's going to reach through the internet and smack me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it feel to have your birthday so close to Christmas? I know you're not necessarily a religious person. But oh. uh, obviously, getting presents and stuff's got to be growing yeah. up. That's got to be pretty hard. Oh yeah, I still do the I still do the present thing, and the present thing is always a like, hey, we got you one gift for both. It's like wah yeah, that's, wah. That's got to suck. Yeah, there's always there's also the fun of uh, like spending your birthday alone because everybody has already got on their plane or disappeared or is with their family, which I don't begrudge them. But then you know like. Um, at the same time, it, it, I, it's so weird. I can't imagine people being around on my birthday. It seems like a very solitary time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes. Yeah, so happy birthday, Neil, for your thirty-first yeah. birthday. And uh, while we're on the topic of wishing people well, uh, I want to wish everyone a very merry Christmas, uh, happy holidays, and uh, a super new year for twenty eleven. This being our last podcast for twenty ten. I uh, hope the new year is a good one for you and uh, everyone stays happy and, and, and safe. Yes, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, super Hanukkah, and um, I think that's all of them. Yeah, yeah definitely. New year. There's no other possible. Uh, well, whatever holiday you celebrate, have a good time. I'll yeah. see you at Arbitrary Gift-Giving Day. And happy <laughs> Festivus. Yeah, Festivus <laughs> for the rest of us. So that's our chat topics. Let's get into the big question segment. All right. Let's start with the big question. All right, what did we have last month? 
Uh, we had, uh, how did you feel about JMS leaving the monthly Superman title? <laughs> yeah, we uh, had a couple of responses to, uh, to that question. Who was up first? All right. Well, we got Aaron Ross, and he wrote, I couldn't care less about JMS leaving the monthly Superman title. I've been very disappointed with the grounded storyline, and we'll be happy to see it taken over by another writer. I'm actually more upset over Wonder Woman, as that story actually turned out great over the last couple issues. Oh, and by the way, in my opinion, Superman Earth-1 distorted the Superman legend so much it was almost unrecognizable at times. Bleh. Thanks for the podcast, guys. Thanks for the letter, Aaron. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Uh, Starla Bowes wrote, even though I think the story of Superman walking is dumb, I think there is a bigger problem. He just started this and said he would do this for a year and then just changes his mind, all because he's some big writer. And maybe just a girl, but I know what trouble I would be in if I started something and didn't finish it. Why can't grown-ups who become big writers do the same as we kids are expected to do? We look up to you. Uh, you big city writers, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, Starla, don't worry. Not all writers are like that. Not even a tenth of writers are like that. Most of us would beg, claw, steal, fight to get a job, <laughs> much less to write Superman. And it speaks to a very profound arrogance to have someone actually walk away from it because of the stress level. <laughs> all right. We, not that I'm bitter or anything. No, 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 no. Yes. Calvin Bowes writes, <laughs> How do I feel about him leaving? I don't give a hoop. The grounded story is just a bad story, and I want it to end. The only reason I'm reading it is my daughter is getting the Superman titles in the mail, and we read them together. I also agree with Steve. I am so tired of the celebrity-based writers and artists who constantly don't care about the character. I don't care who's writing or drawing. All me and my daughter care about is Superman. You writers and artists need to start caring, too. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Well done, Calvin. Uh, Peter Hemlink wrote, Hi, guys. I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I think it's great. Thank you, Peter. Uh, about the news of JMS stopping writing Superman annoys me, but also is a relief. I mean, he had a big plan, but to no avail, unfortunately. If he had carried on with Superman and other projects too, maybe the story would not be so well written. Hope that other writers round the story off well and start something that is loyal to Superman and what he stands for. Keep up the podcast for truth and justice. Well, Woo-hoo. thank you, Peter. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Okay, uh, what's our new big question, Neil? What Superman present did you get this Christmas? Yes, if you got a Superman gift this Christmas, let us know what it was. Or if you maybe if you bought a Christmas uh, present for someone that was Superman related, let us know what it was. And uh, yeah, we're interested to see what uh, what your buying habits are for Christmas time when it comes to Superman. Uh, yeah. Get involved with the big question segment of the show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage. Uh, you can email us, and we'll, we'll we'll be me and Scotty next time reading them out. Or you can record an audio uh, answer, and we'll play that in the next podcast as an MP3 file. Yeah, I don't think you'd shoot them either if they just uh, if they told what they wanted for Christmas and couldn't get because of Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. If Santa didn't answer your uh, your Christmas wish list with the Superman item that you really wanted, uh, let us know about that one too. But uh, that's the big question segment for this month. Doubt creeps in. You gave up everything. You sacrificed it all so that she could live, so we could all be together. And I feel like... I feel like I failed you. Some father I turned out to be. The strong grow weak. Diana and Cassie just arrived, but they don't look good. I can speak for myself, thank you. I've never seen you like this, Diana. And the mighty fall. Get bad guy! <laughs> but hope 
springs eternal. Is that what I think it is? Yes, she's developed antibodies that have effectively neutralized the virus. Can we synthesize some sort of antigen from a blood sample? Can we even get a blood sample? Insolitus continues in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 72, on December 22, 2010, only at PendantAudio.com. The search for a cure drags on. Something's still not right. Let's try again with more latency modulation. But time is running out. I'm not sure how long I can- <laughs> Great daily planet building! Him? I'm totally bad. Get him! Can the antidote be found before the steelworks is overwhelmed? Kira, be careful out there. I got it under control. Yeah! Insolitus continues in Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 44, coming December 22nd at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Yes, Michael Bailey returns with a new Bailey's Bookshelf segment. Let's see what trade paperback Michael is reviewing this time around. Hey, everybody. Michael Bailey here, recording once again from deep in the bowels of the Fortress of Baileytude, where I have just come back from a walk-slash-elevator ride, because, you know, the Fortress of Baileytude is multi-leveled, to the bookcase-slash-archives of the fortress to pick out another trade hardcover or novel to discuss this month i am fulfilling a request at last from calvin and starla bows who wrote in some time ago to request me to cover the book i'm going to be covering this month i really sorry that it took me this long to get to it but things have been kind of busy and I, I keep losing the email, and it was just a bunch of things coming together. But here I am at last, um, adhering to the request of Starla that I talk about Superman in the 50s, which is one of the Superman in the series. I've covered Superman in the 80s and Superman in the 70s in the past. I'm finally getting around to a decade that was a one of the points of reinvention for Superman, in my opinion between Mort Wessinger coming onto the comics as an editor and kicking off Superman in the Silver Age of comics and the Adventures of Superman television series, this was really the second generation of Superman hitting the comics full force. And Superman in the 50s as a trade is a great representation of that. We start off with an introduction by Mark Wade, who (laughs) begins with one of the best lines ever, In the 1950s, he writes, calling someone a Boy Scout was a compliment. And then we dive into, as in all of the Superman in the trades, different sections. The first, which is classic tales. The uh, first there is three Superman from Krypton, from Superman number 65, July-August 1950. The Menace from the Stars, World's Finest Comics, number 68, January-February 1954. The Girl Who Didn't Believe in Superman, a story written by Bill Finger from Superman number 96, March 1955. Superboy's Last Day in Smallville from Superman number 97, May 1955. And uh, 
If I'm correct, this is the first of the many Superboys last day in Smallville that we would see between 1955 and really 1985, because they even redid it in an issue of The New Adventures of Superboy from the 80s. And then we have The Ugly Superman from Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane number 8, April 1959. We then get into the Superman family section, kicking off with Superman's Big Brother from Superman number 80, January, February 1953. Crypto's first appearance in The Super Dog from Krypton in Adventure Comics number 210, March 1955. Titano the Super Ape. From Superman number 127, February 1959, I will admit that I am not the biggest fan of Titano. I think he's a fine character. This story just doesn't have a re-readability, and I knew I was going to stumble over that word, but a re-readability like other classic Superman stories do. do. But uh, I thought the animated series did Titano great. Then we have the Supergirl from Krypton from Action Comics number 252, May 1959. I am a big fan of this story. I like Kara Zor-El's first appearance. Uh, another interesting note about Action Comics number 252 is that it is also the first appearance of Metallo. And after reading that story uh, several years ago and then watching his first appearance on Smallville, it's interesting that how much they actually got right with the character, with him being a reporter and such. So uh, kudos to Smallville for that. Then we get into the villains. We have Mr. Mixius Pitalik in Superman's Super Magic Show from Action Comics number 151. The Super Duel in Space from Action Comics number 242, July 1958. First appearance of Brainiac. The Battle with Bizarro and the Bride of Bizarro in Action Comics number 254 and 255, respectively, from July and August of 1959. Uh, I like Bizarro in short doses. It's like these two stories were fine. There was actually a trade paperback called Tales from Bizarro World that came out several years ago that I had to read in sections. I couldn't sit there and read the whole thing straight through because Little Bizarro goes a long way with me. And finally, we get into Superman's Pals as a section. we got The End of the Planet, which is a Perry White-centric story. Superman and Robin from World's Comics number 75, March, March, April 1955. That End of the Planet, by the way, was from Superman number 79, November, December 1952. We have the Stolen Superman Signal from Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen number 13, June 1956. And... The Girl in Superman's Past from Showcase Number 9, June-July 1957. That was one of the tryouts for Lois Lane before she got her own title, Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane. And it featured Lana Lang coming back into Superman's life as an adult, as opposed to being his foil-slash-girlfriend when he was a youngster. And that is it for this one. Uh, This is a very solid trade paperback. If you want some very classic Superman stories, I suggest picking it up. I managed to snag mine for 10 bucks at this year's Dragon Con, so that was kind of awesome. I like getting cheap books because uh, I'm frugal like that, something that's rubbed off from my wife, thankfully. 
As always, I recommend that you check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast hosted by myself and my good friend Jeffrey Taylor, where we cover every Superman book from Man of Steel number one to Adventures of Superman number 649, the post-crisis era of Superman, and that hits every Thursday here at the Superman homepage. And on a very personal note, I would like to bid a very sad farewell to Neil Bailey, who is stepping down from this show and from the Speeding Bulletins. Uh, Neil and I have corresponded for years. We finally got to meet up in Metropolis back in 2008, and meeting him and Steve and Carol made that one of the greatest experiences of my life. I have never felt such a close connection with a small group of people as we did. Uh, people are always asking if we're related. Uh, we're not, but I always feel that he is a brother in Superman fandom, at least. And I wish him the best on his many pursuits. And uh, I'm going to miss you, pal. And uh, this is audio, so you can't see me doing this, but I'm putting two thumbs up to you. And now... For the last time for the moment, back to Stephen Neal. Well, thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you have a Superman uh, trade paperback that you would like Michael to review, all you have to do is send Michael an email to michael at supermanhomepage.com, and he'll try to get that in in a future podcast. Super secret soundbite. Looks like we have a very, very select group of people this month. Yeah, we only had two people who guessed that last month's sound came from the Smallville Season 9 episode titled Echo. And those two people were David Abraham and Kelvin Rodriguez. Congrats, guys. Yes, well done to David and Kelvin. Now let's see if those two and more can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. Everyone I've ever loved has died. Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next podcast. Superman's song time. This is a good funky note to go out on, I'm telling you. I heard this song and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a real disco feel to uh, this song. It's uh, by the Commodores. Uh, which uh, obviously uh, was uh, Lionel Richie's uh, band. Back in 1974, they released this song titled Superman. Jumping Jack Flash The bad guys try to do me in But I'm too smart for that Faster than a skidding bullet Jump buildings in a single bound No throughout the country As the baddest, baddest man around Cause I'm Superman Superman Watch out for filthy magnastic He'll try to cross my line From quick tonight to TNT He'll try to blow my mind But I fight him with my goodness And I'll fight him with my strength And if that don't work, my good friend I'll hit him, hit him 
the show for another month. Now, as promised earlier in the show, uh, we've got Scotty V in on the podcast. He will be the new co-host for Radio KL as Neil departs. Uh, welcome, Scotty. Yes, welcome, Hello. Scott. Hello. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, uh, we're looking forward to uh, to the Radio KL in 2011 with Scotty V as the new co-host. Uh, what are you looking forward to most about this, Scotty? Oh, I just, uh, I love, I speak about Superman to everyone in my life, so <laughs> sometimes they roll their eyes and uh, they've heard enough. So hopefully, as we talk to other fans and have a good time with them, we'll actually have a, an open ear for more of the time that I would like to speak uh, about my favorite character. Very cool. Now, uh, you're a singer, I believe. Maybe we'll have to get you uh, singing in a future podcast. Why not? <laughs> yeah, well, God knows Superman. it can't be worse than mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we don't. We, yeah, we didn't. Uh, we don't want to encourage Neil because he might want to uh, start singing in our final podcast with him. So, That's right. Uh, it's already a I've market seen, improvement. <laughs> I've seen some good singing from Neil with his guitar and his, his little <laughs> skits over the years. And by good, you mean good as a biological weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, well, we look forward to Radio KL with the uh, making it the Steve and Scotty show from now on. But uh, before we uh, do uh, end this podcast, I wanted to thank Neil for six wonderful years doing Radio KL. Uh, you've uh, been a wonderful co-host and a really good friend to me. And uh, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of everybody at the Superman homepage for your contribution over the years. Thanks, man. It was absolutely my pleasure. Now, don't be a stranger. I'm sure uh, Scotty and I would love to have you back uh, in any episode uh, in the in the future. Oh, I'll come back and haunt you. Don't worry. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, any uh, final words, Scotty, uh, for your first uh, introduction to the Radio KL podcast? Well, I just want to say uh, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to working with you and talking to everybody. And, and Neil, you and I have worked together in the past. And, uh, yeah. You know, you do a great job and everybody loves you and I'm sure that uh, we'll see you again uh, real soon. 
Yeah, and I know that you're qualified to take over. That's you know, I, uh, we, I've worked with Scotty, folks, and he's definitely a, a, a worthy replacement, if not at market improvement, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be a hard, uh, a tough act to follow, but I'll do my best. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks again, Neil. Uh, any parting words for Radio KL? Uh, just thanks, folks, for listening and for being so positive for the whole thing. And uh, thanks, Steve, for the opportunity. As I once said, caveat emptor, and uh, you stay classy, Steve, and you too, Scotty. You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com. Hello, everyone. This is Superman bringing you best wishes for a very Merry Christmas from Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and myself. 